Welcome everybody to Recovery Machine. My name's Nathan, joined as always by co-host Corey. How are you doing, co-host Corey? Hello, sir. It's good to see you. I'm doing well this rainy morning. Rainy morning. Yes, I suppose that's appropriate. This is the last show for us. We are uh, we are finishing up with Recovery Machine. We believe that uh, I think we've done enough here, Corey. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think we both feel like we've reached a natural conclusion, like we've said what we wanted to say. We could go on and and podcasts do go on, but I think a, a very important key of production and of creativity is realizing the time to to wrap it up. And, you know, I got thinking this morning about about different projects, about art projects, say, or creative endeavors. And when it's something that is unfinished, it doesn't feel as good. And it, and if you and I, as you and I are going into career paths and education and doing all these different things that have us very busy, if this fizzled, fizzled out or was left unfinished, I don't think that would feel as good. I think it's a good thing to, to land the plane and to uh, complete a project. So I'm glad that we're, that we've recognized that and that we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. We need a little bit of, uh, closure as they say and uh i think one thing that i'm working on right now is is trying to make sure that i'm instead of having you know five or six things going on that i'm i'm running around and and trying to you know put out little fires and build up little sections all the time i'm really trying to pare that down to uh you know the top two or three things that i really want to be focused on so yeah. basically you know that's staying uh you know staying alive paying the bills advancing my education in the direction I want to take it. And then uh, I, I really want to make sure that I'm focused. Most of my energy, creative energy is, is in writing. So, but yeah, you know, I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like I, um, when I think about the, the body of work that we created with this podcast and just knowing that we were leading up to this episode, I went back and listened to a few things and bits and pieces of episodes and stuff. And I mean, I, I don't know what we could add. I think we could find other healthcare workers to talk to. We could find other professionals or experts to talk to for sure. They're out there. Um, and we get fairly regularly, um, inundated with people who want to talk or people who want to, you know, sell their, sell their approach or mm -hmm. sell their whatever to us. Mm -hmm. But I, th you know, I think there's enough for the, our goal at the very beginning was to create a resource for or individuals for healthcare workers going through um, the process of going off work and recovery, et cetera. And it's all there. It's all there for them. And I, there are ample resources out there beyond us, but from what we have created, we've kind of touched on all of the pieces that we wanted to touch on, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think what we set out to do originally was, like you said, to put together something that a healthcare professional could use to navigate the machine in the beginning especially when you don't have the the information there and and that's what i would have wanted i can still remember you know that, a time where i was seeking that and now we have we have put that out there and you got to think that uh, at least a couple people have run across this material and found it useful i mean i i know we've got positive feedback on it yeah. and so that was the main thing and then i think as we moved on uh, we definitely broadened out into, you know, the, the politics of, uh, uh, and the, the policy and, and kind of the broader zeitgeist of how people feel about, you know, everything related to substance use. So, yeah. um, good learning experience, right? I mean, oh my God, big time, big time. Yeah. So what we figured we would do with, with this last one is we're just going to uh, we've got a couple questions we're going to ask each other uh, regarding the experience uh, of podcasting in, in general and, and specifically in this kind of interesting, strange forum of, of uh, you know, this is a, a topic that, you know, people are aware of, but they, it, it's also got a limited bandwidth. It's politically charged. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one. It's not one that you want to be in if you're trying to make money or do anything like that or... <laughs> It's, it's an odd one. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then I want to take a moment to just go through our guest list and uh, make sure we 
We thank all the guests and we will mention all our patrons at the end. And I'll say this again at the end, just to make sure the patron page will close down upon airing of this episode. So anybody who is a current patron doesn't have to worry about, uh, I mean, you could check if you want, but the, uh, the page will automatically shut down. No more, no more charges will, uh, be incurred. Uh, and, uh, that will be that. So yeah, we want to make that nice and easy and we don't want to, uh, I mean, the support that we've received there is, is basically, uh, I think over the last year and a half, it has, it has covered our costs. So yeah, uh, we're very grateful to the, the people who contributed and, uh, and so, yeah, thanks for that. We'll get started. We each made a couple of questions for the other person's consideration. What do you got there, Corey? So my first question to you, Nathan, was initially I wrote it out as a, you know, what, what are your regrets? Do you have regrets? But, but, uh, a subtler way to ask would be, would there have been things that you would have changed or done differently if we were, uh, if we were starting out on this endeavor again, is there something you would have approached differently or a specific guest or the way we created our content? I think we did pretty good considering that neither one of us knew anything about podcasting. So, and there is weird things that you learn, right? Like this is an industry too. So in the beginning, I mean, you get these emails from what are basically like con men or shysters or whatever. And they got, you know, pretty slick campaigns and stuff. And we, I was proud of the way that we did not get taken by any of those, like not once. Right. And that yeah. I saw other podcasts that, uh, they got taken in really quick and, uh, they went for the bait and, uh, we didn't. So I, I, I was proud of that, our ability to, and both of us were that, I think it really helped having you there. Um, just to, you know, I would be like, eh, this doesn't seem right. And then you would also have the same feeling and we'd talk it through and we'd look and we'd do the research and we say, oh yeah, we see what this guy's up to or this lady's trying to do. And so I, I, I was happy with that. I personally, I, I don't think I could have put any more work in. I mean, um, I probably worked a little too hard on, on some aspects of, uh, just the technical side of things. Maybe I could have backed off a little bit. I think uh, sometimes I got carried away with editing. And I mean, people, anyone who's done this or anybody who's interested in doing it, it is actually every, you know, every hour of content that you produce uh, at the very minimum, it's going to be two hours of editing. And then that's just for the audio. If you are, you know, if you've got a, a YouTube component, which we ran for quite a while there, that's a whole different ball game. So you know, and that's, uh, you know, you got to learn commercial grade software. I, you know, I, I'm happy with the way we, we went after it. I think maybe, you know, if, if you want to do this properly in such a competitive uh, space, you would probably have to pick a topic that is going to be, you know, like we would need a, a bigger audience, basically, if it, like we're, we're too niche, if you wanted to to get big that being said you know we did have like at our peak there we were we did have a worldwide audience which is pretty cool i mean that's you know when you're when you're getting picked up in other countries that's that's really interesting so yeah i i, I don't think we could have done any better i mean we maybe we could have been a little more aggressive towards the end with guests but we were both feeling like yeah i know i was certainly starting to feel the the effects of being in this atmosphere, right? When you're, you're constantly dealing with this subject matter is we, you know, we went through some heavy guests there and, mm -hmm. and did our best with, with topics that are, it's not fun. It's certainly not fun when you're, when you're dealing with stuff like that. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I don't think I have any regrets as far as what we did. I think we worked well as a team and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it overall. Yeah, I would, I would second uh, your, your statements there completely. I don't either. You know, I, <clears throat> I was looking back at the, the first email that you sent me that kind of got this whole idea rolling. I had mentioned something about wanting to do a project in one of our meetings. And then you had emailed me and, and opened up the floor to this, to the discussion of having a podcast. And, and I was still like, 
very much navigating being off work and navigating issues with the union and with my employer mm-hmm. and stuff like right in the thick of it. And mm-hmm. looking back, I kind of think, was I nuts? But I, but I don't say that with regret at all, uh, because I think that this project helped, helped me to navigate that because I was educating myself through you and through our guests and through the discussions that we were having that informed, uh, a lot of how I navigated it and how I felt about it, that, and, and the other communities that I am a, was, and am a part of. So I don't regret that at all, but I do look back and think like, wow, I was mm-hmm. at those first few episodes. I was still like, uh, in limbo with, yeah. with, with my past employer and yeah. with the, everything. Yeah, well, I mean, kudos to you for uh, taking that on because I, I agree. I think it was beneficial for both of us, but especially in your precarious situation where you're, you know, and let's not forget. I mean, there's an aspect of possible post-acute withdrawal there too. That you know, you're you you're still dealing with brain fog and and things like that. But articulating, thinking about talking to different people, listening, you know, being immersed in this kind of material while you're navigating what you're navigating and how you navigated it. So, I mean, what, what could be a better example for people who are listening than the way you navigated the situation? I mean, it just, I think in the beginning, it was almost like, uh, in a way we kind of had to do this because the opportunity yeah. was just presented. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so too. Exactly. So that being said, throughout this experience, you know, you kind of, I, I think both of us kind of stayed true to who we are, but you're also, as a person, it's hard to, uh, you know, when you're doing any kind of a production or, or, or putting yourself out there, I guess, in the public, there's a certain kind of maybe aspect of, of personality that ebbs and flows and, uh, I don't know how about how this is for you. I just, I wondered what you kind of learned about yourself as, you know, as co-host Corey or as a, as a person who was, who is a part of this, uh, you know, half of this thing that we created here, reflecting back, what did you learn about yourself? Mm. You know, I, I think one of the things that I was left feeling as I reached the time of going off of work and what would be the end of that career for me in nursing was initially a feeling of, uh, of a loss of autonomy and a loss of voice. And that was such a theme in what I was bringing up in my, in, in therapy and in, uh, conversations with my family and stuff that I, you know, I was suppressing, I was suppressing what I was feeling, suppressing what was pissing me off, what I wanted to say. I blamed a lot of other people for that. I, I blamed my employer for that. And I think as I've done this project with you and like that became so much about just saying what was on our mind and learning about it and being really open with, with the world about what we were at, it taught me that I have control of that. It taught me that like, it wasn't about my, it wasn't about my employer. It was about me and my if I, if I'm going to use my voice, if I'm going to say what I want to say or say what I need to say or get it off my chest, then it's on me to do it. And, and once I started to do that with, with you, I think doing it on my own, I don't, I don't think I would have come to this on my own. I think it was through, uh, the process of doing it with you that it, it felt safer. It gave me some confidence to do it. We were framing it as framing it with curiosity, always curiosity mm-hmm. about all of these different aspects of addiction and recovery and workplace and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, I learned that, that how good that feels, how important that is to my well being and to my mental health and how that, yeah, how that needs to be, needs to be nurtured. Also learned, I didn't, I didn't know that I would have the ability to do this and learned that I do and mm-hmm. as a speaker and as a, educator and a, and a listener, I think it, it, it made me aware of, of some of those abilities that I have, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a real strength, right? And, uh, people have probably told you that, but, uh, I wonder maybe if it has given you a little bit of extra confidence moving into your, 
your role as an educator having this uh you know kind of you know getting the positive reinforcement that we've gotten for sure for sure and and just helped me to even realize like the way I want to approach that that it's kind of in the same way as I'm as we have approached this project that like to be curious to be uh, humble to ask questions of each other and listen because I think mm-hmm. we did a lot of we did a lot of listening in this show too we did yeah yeah that really is the key isn't it yeah so my next question for you and I think I know the answer, but it's just an, it's an interesting thing to go back and to listen from the start of our our episodes and how our show evolved, how the content started to evolve as the social issues and the politics of our province changed. So how did you see the impact of the politics and the social issues in, in BC with the toxic drug issue being at the forefront, um, with the issues around homelessness being at the forefront? And then how did that inform you as a person and as a co-host here? I mean, I know that it did have a big impact. Yeah. I mean, it certainly had an impact. I don't think anybody can be as involved as we were. I mean, at one point I was, I was working directly with the population in a professional capacity and doing this podcast. So I was very much involved with um seeing the you know safer supply the the harm reduction programs that were out there i was i was watching them in effect and and seeing their impact on people and when we started out i i had a certain amount of animosity towards a small subsection of the machine and after we went over that material and we talked to a couple guests and we're able to kind of see how it was, you know, you, you want to blame certain people and you want to pick uh, individuals out. And what I saw was that it was a very much um, a lot like a corporate structure or any diffusion of responsibility type entity where when you get a whole bunch of people who all do a little bit towards the same end without, you know, everyone thinks they're doing the right thing, but eventually the kind of, the, the, the very basics of humanity sort of get lost in the process. And I think that that kind of became apparent to me, even at the beginning when we, we were going through the machine stuff that it wasn't specific individuals. Like maybe I'd, I thought, well, if we could just get these few physicians to kind of think a bit differently or we're more like this physician or if we could get this policymaker to to change the way they they think about certain aspects of this maybe we could make things better but i think that ultimately going right from you know the beginning with the the, the policy stuff with the machine right to the provincial and federal level it's probably going to take a while and it and that is not it's not a knock on our society i'm I'm proud of a, a lot of the work that people are doing to try to help. You know, our, we, we've got a very vulnerable population that is is really taking a beating right now, and then we've we've got parts of our population that are are susceptible and vulnerable in ways that they don't even realize because of the toxic drug supply and all that stuff. I think is it's probably not going to go away soon, and I guess maybe there was a part of me that was, uh, you know, looking for a, a more immediate solution in that regard. And the issue is, as we've discussed, very complex. And I think that what it's going to take is probably a, a generational shift in, uh, in power. You know, I mean, people are making the policies right now, are doing the best with the information they have uh, and, and the environment they grew up in, which was a different environment than, say, the millennials or Gen Z. And I think that it might be that long, you know, it might be, we might have to wait for the millennials to, to be in more positions of power before we can get, I won't say, I won't even say a more progressive position. I'll I'll just say a more pragmatic position where we are viewing issues related to drugs in a way that is rational uh, and really science-based. And if we could parse out the propaganda of old and the politics we have to we have to get rid of that section 
and then really focus on the problem itself without all those emotions that are attached to drug policy. And that is, uh, that is going to take a while. So I think my opinion is maybe, you know, I, I have a, an idea the way I wish things would go, but I just think that this is going to be a progression that takes time and there's not much else that can be done about it. And, you know, if, if I'm wrong, uh, that, that is great. Um, and, and if we come around faster to it and find a way out of this situation, that would be, that would be awesome. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the takeaway for me, I think. Yeah. Good answer. In like within the first 10 or 12 episodes of our show, you can hear it in you that you were wanting, like it's right there. Like the answer is just right there. Like this has to change and this has to change. And, um, and yeah, some of those were individuals and some of them were like policymakers and stuff, but it is, it really unfolded for us that it is so much more complex. The other thing, and I, I'm curious to see if you would agree or disagree. And I'm, I will start by saying I am proud of us for not, I'm proud of us for being true to ourselves in this process because they're, this discussion of drug policy and how we view addiction and and overdose deaths and stuff. It is so politically charged and it's, it is so polarized. Mm. And on one, po- on one poll is a very negative, uh, I'll say small C conservative mindset about it. And on the other poll is a very, you know, the social, the social justice mindset or the, the social advocacy population, there can be a tendency to look for perfection within anyone who is speaking on that and they they there's a tendency to look to each other for perfection in in language and an approach and and that gets i don't like the i don't like the term wokeism but it gets that that, that's sort of what it is in terms of like what the this new style of perfect language on a social issue and when it comes down to it either we're either you're helping or you're not either you're, you're either you're supporting change in the issue or you're keeping it holding it back and i don't think we i know that we didn't engage in that i know that you know that was all around that conversation mm-hmm. and i i don't <laughs> think we engaged in it and i i just i think that i think that that harms the conversation i think that that only bolsters polarity in the conversation yeah. and um and it makes it more divisive and and it keeps people from coming together, you know, that striving for perfect perfection and striving for perfection is the same as finger pointing. And it's the same as, um, you know, blaming the people who are dying. It's all kind of in the same conversation, I think. And, uh, I think we kept a fairly, uh, middle ground there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it is a bit of a tightrope situation. You know, depending on the, the the guest we had on, or even the the material or the sources that we were getting information from, there could be a real it, it, there's like a magnetic draw to a camp, and and people, especially right now with you know the way it's been well for the last five years or more, people really want to form up an identity, and and this is a this is a discussion that has very much become a part of identity politics. And um, yeah, you're, you're right in that. I, I think what it does is it stops people from talking to each other. It shuts people down and it stops people from listening. And that goes, you know, people in the conservative camp, uh, you know, the tough love type uh, people. And, and then the, the, the people on the uh, super progressive side, you know, you, you stop listening to each other. Right. And, uh, I, you know, thinking of this particular topic, I, when we spoke with Amber Stuckey, uh, I, I thought she was a really good example of somebody who is out there doing their job. You know, this is somebody who's, uh, I've known this person for a long time, but I, you know, I, I went to high school with her. I don't know what her, her politics are. She's working in Alberta. She's very much on the front lines, but if you were to, you know, some of the things that she said would be, 
we heard from people that they they found it astonishing or disappointing or even appalling you know that and that speaks to how people are not listening to people from other camps right because she had some important things to say about you know triaging lives and and these are pragmatic on the ground issues that uh our frontline personnel are are trying to to cope with on a on a daily basis so if you're not bringing those people's opinion into the discussion then you're not really having a discussion and uh yeah i i i think we and i mean i'm sure we could have done a better job and look i mean i i'm too opinionated you know i I get an idea in my head about the way I I think something should go and I get frustrated and I, you know, I, I, I want to lash out at the world and, and that's something that I've continually got to, got to work on, but um, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's hard to remain objective when you give a shit, right? It, it is exactly. And I, you know, I, I look at, at the, we were in a collision course with that topic. Collision course is dramatic, but we were, the nature of our conversation was we were bound to reach that the to have to talk about the overdose deaths in our province to talk about this greater social issue that we were seeing that is all around us in in Canada in British Columbia particularly and um had we had had we have stayed in just in the in the ring of healthcare and not gone there we would have been missing we would have deprived ourselves of so much that we learned and we would have missed out on really great conversation. But that part is also really fucking exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. uh, it comes back. And I, I think of the people who are in that world, like relentlessly in that world of the social cause. And I mm -hmm. admire their resilience. I admire their strength. If that is, if, if they have that, but I think it also became a that it became clear that we had to tend to our own garden a bit. Oh, and, absolutely. And it makes me wonder, you know, and this is not a criticism. This is just a, a fact that there are, that people in recovery are compelled to help, uh, are compelled mm. towards reaching their, reaching other people within that population. And they're, they then get, um, compelled to look towards social issues and, and help in that way with great, uh, intention. But if you're not tending to your own mental health and to your own needs, you're putting yourself at risk. And I'm not, we weren't, we weren't out doing social, um, work. We mm -hmm. were just having the discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, so not to, not to claim that we were out, you know, out on the street level, though you, you were out, you were doing that work through your work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's exhausting. And I, I just question how people are able to do it relentlessly and live and breathe it. And, and we know there are lots of people out there. And if you look on formerly Twitter on X, it's full of people who are, who are having that discussion relentlessly, like day mm -hmm. in and day out. And I just, I, again, I'm glad that I and you are honest enough to say like, oh God, it's tiring. God, it's hard <laughs> having that conversation relentlessly. Yeah. Well, th this is, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we're bringing this to a, to an end. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you have to realize that there's wolves outside your fences that cannot be, you know, you, you have to. You have to deal with what you can deal with, and then you got to remain aware of how much of a toll what you're doing is taking on you, regardless of the, you know, whatever benevolent or, you know, perceived benevolence that you're, you're having. Um, if you're, yeah, if you, if you run yourself completely ragged and get lost, then uh, what good are you? I mean, that's, that's kind of the basics of mental health, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, so. What kind of role models would, what kind of example would we be setting if we just ran ourselves into the ground and we're just battling right. away, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, what do I got for you here? What about things that guests said? Was there something a guest said that really stood out or 
changed or shifted your perspective? Can you think of anybody? Yeah. I mean, so I've got two, I've got a couple of answers for this. Um, first, I think, and this will come as no surprise to you. I think having a conversation with Maya Salovitz, looking back, I still shake, I know you do too, still shake our heads at the fact that we, I mean, talk about feeling like imposters, getting to have a conversation <laughs> with, with like the, the leading expert in our uh, continent on uh, <laughs> addiction. So that was remarkable. It was remarkable to talk to her about like the moment of clarity about the moment of like realizing that you can come out the other side and like the science behind that, that there mm. is a science behind that. That was really powerful, really affirming for like what I had experienced. And I, I think I know what you had experienced too. Uh, I, th I think that whole conversation was remarkable. I think looking at, I mean, we had a, we had a number of people like Garth Mullins who were, informing us and educating us on the greater issues within our province and the politics within our province. That was immensely beneficial for me. And, uh, that was like a, just a huge honor to be able to talk to Garth. And then it, I, every single one of our healthcare workers that we had on who had been through the machine and been through addiction and recovery related to work, that, that's just endlessly helpful to me. I, um, and that's to me why I still, I'm facilitating caduceus meetings to this day and why I, I, what I still get out of that. And I look at those conversations that we had on the podcast with a couple of people from our community where they were telling their stories and they were sharing what, what they went through and what, what about the machine was harmful to them, what was helpful, uh, how they got there. I think those are beautiful conversations. I'm really proud of them. And, and I'm, I, I get the same thing in having those conversations on a weekly basis with, with people in our community. So and I wouldn't pick out one. I would say they were all, all just really, really helpful to me. So those are my specific answers, but the, the answer that I, that I came up with that I'm more, that had more of an impact was, was you, Nathan, like having someone to approach all of these conversations and all these episodes with where we were we were mirroring each other in the episodes. Like we were presenting each, each other with the same questions or like each, we were each telling our stories and each following, following through this process in all the episodes. And because you and I have had, you and I had similar, but different stories in many ways, hearing your vulnerability and your honesty with your, with yourself, watching you kind of analyze yourself and, and learn about yourself and understand yourself as we went on was so informative to me and so helpful to me. And it gave me confidence. It gave me strength to continue to do the same for myself. It also showed me what you were going through with your career. That was something that was helpful to me as I was in an earlier stage of my career, but watching, unfortunately learning from you and how hard it was for you at times mm -hmm. taught me a ton. And it, it helped me to navigate my own story for sure. Cause I know that if I had have gone back, uh, to where I was working before say, or something similar, it would have been really, really hard. And then, you know, and then your episode about your episode about charity, you know, we had the episode with, um, with Ward Draper, pastor mm. Ward Draper. And then we had yeah. your charity episode and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember which one came first. Uh, I think it was, it was Ward, Ward yeah. and then the charity episode, yeah. you know, and you, I was re-listening to the charity episode and you said, I have this idea of who I am that is built upon a false premise because of the strategy of keeping people away. Mm. And you talked about sort of shedding that, trying to shed that, that premise, trying to shed that wall of keeping people away and why your perspective on the world and on people around you was at times negative or at times harmful, mm -hmm. but coming, coming down to kind of stripping that back. All of that resonated with me for sure. And then in the more recent episodes, as you have been navigating being a pharmacist in the thick of things, in the thick of a, of a, the toxic drug crisis, that was really informative. That was really kind of an affirmation for me of what I would have been faced with had I have gone back to work mm, that would have been yeah. so difficult and would have put me at risk. So you have been the most informative, you're not a guest, but you were the most informative one to me along the way. And I learned just a tremendous amount from, from doing this with you. 
Yeah, right back at you, man. I I think that uh, in a lot of respects, we we supported each other in sometimes needing. Like I, I know that I, if I was left to my own devices, I would start to talk myself back into you know, well, you know, maybe it's not too bad. Maybe I, you know, maybe there's not really that kind of the danger is minimal or whatever. And then, and I, I think there's a lot to be said about like seeing how how you navigated the situation and then came to the the conclusion of a very rational and uh, you know, you've got a family to think about. You've, you've got people that you, you, you care about and they care about you and, and you're making a decision to move completely outside of, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do and, and doing that because you recognize the danger and you, it didn't take you twice. You know, lots of people have to go back and do it a couple of times. And, uh, I've done that where I've, okay, I, I've got a new strategy. I'll go back in there. And it just, you know, the, the second I step back in, I know it's a, a dangerous situation and, and, uh, to try and look at pharmacy or, or if you were to try and look at nursing and be like, well, I'm just, I'm going to, you know, maybe not, not be in certain areas or try to kind of whatever navigate your way through, but you just seeing you make the right call there. I think it's not just important for me to reinforce the danger of the situation, but very important for other people in uh, both the, the caduceus community the people that we speak with uh, that have become friends over the years because of this situation. And then the people out there who are listening, I mean, you have to think about how dangerous it is. And sometimes people don't, you know, we've had people who, who did go back and try it a second time and very nearly died. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. So I think, yeah, we, uh, we did work well together in that aspect of that's, that's something that we recognized from the beginning, right? Yeah. That, uh, there was, there was good support there back and forth. So, but thanks for the, uh, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Uh, is it my, it's my question to you now, isn't it? It is. Uh, so this is broad and you can answer this however you like, or, or if there's more than one answer, but my question to you was, what is the, uh, what is the greatest lesson that you will take away from, from this project? or lessons. Yeah, I think uh, the the biggest thing is actually we touched on it already is listening harder and uh being more open to ideas that are outside. I think uh I maybe had an idea that I was relatively objective in some respects and then I had opinions about or have opinions about the way things uh should go uh, especially with, you know, the way healthcare professionals are treated and with the, you know, the bigger issues of the toxic drug crisis, et cetera. But I think as hard as it may be, the more polarized our society is, I, I think maybe there's a, I think we're kind of reaching and uh, we maybe even reached an apex where we're starting to come back around again now. And, and uh, people have had enough of, of being so ridiculously polarized on every single issue, but for me, what I can learn, what I can take away is that it's essential to try to approach any issue that's got a, an emotional or politically charged component to it with as much objectivity and equanimity, as you like to say, as possible. And that is going to be something that I continue to work on for the rest of my life. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's taken me quite a while to, to to maybe wrap my head around what it means to what humility means right and and humility doesn't mean that i have to uh you know beat myself up or or put myself down or or act like i'm lesser than everybody around me that kind of thing i think humility is is just having the awareness sometimes to to be open to the fact that you could be wrong and and trying to remain objective at all costs and that is that's a difficult thing to do too when you're when you're trying to learn you know because not everybody's acting you know with your best interests or or anybody's best interests some people are are bad actors in in any kind of uh uh especially politically charged topics so yeah i think that's 
that's that's what I'm going to continue to to work on is if I can uh, speak less, listen more, try not to be so in love with my my opinions uh, because I I think I get I, I get pretty enamored with my own ideas sometimes. I like to think about things and I like to turn them around in my mind and having a feeling that I've got a, a handle on a situation makes me feel good about myself in a way that's maybe not as authentic as, as it should be. So, I mean, these are, these are complicated things for me to try to figure out, but I think that's throughout this process, getting a chance to, to talk to a variety of people. We tried to get a variety of people in here and some of them, I mean, some of them, I, I'll be honest uh, that we had guests on here that I didn't like, you know, I, I, I didn't like the way they, approach a situation. I didn't like the way they conduct themselves. I didn't like their attitude, the way they, uh, they look at the, the, the problems that we're facing. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not something I can learn there. Right. Yes. So yeah, that would be the, that would be the big takeaway for, for me. What about you? Was there a kind of a grand lesson? I mean, similar to you for sure. I would add for myself to keep talking, you know, that I, I do best, when I'm having dialogue about how I feel and, and again, listening to other people's input and having that conversation makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. Advocacy over silence makes me feel better. You know, it's funny, like I, having a kid in, in school in the public school system now, I can already see things that piss me off and things that I know I will uh, want to advocate for and speak up about that are not specific to him at all, but just the things that I see that I think yeah. that there needs to be another voice in the ring about and on the recovery front and the speak, you know, the having dialogue is a part of that, but going back to just like the definition of self care, I think changed for me as we were doing this, it got broadened, you know, self care and, and self assessment to like really think about how I'm doing, how a project or a, an interaction is sitting, mm. how, uh, uh, how a job is sitting with me and, and working, you know, I'm on my, what is now because I was still employed as a nurse when we started this, I'm now on my third entering my third career essentially, or third job since we've started this. And, and I think compared to when we first started, I'm much better now at, at thinking about like, how is this actually, how is this sitting? How is doing this? sitting with me right am i maintain am i able to maintain balance in other areas of my life does this feel right you know so that's that comes down to mindfulness i think that so many of our guests and so many of our conversations helped helped to strengthen that and how could it not like having such intense conversations so regularly where you have to be on and doing these having conversations like this are you can uh, to me you can tell the quality of a of a conversation whether it's doing this podcast or like a therapy session, how tired you are at the end. And if yeah. you're tired, <laughs> yeah. then you know that it's been like an intense, productive conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's building the mindfulness muscle, I think too. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Yeah, I agree. I guess uh, one last thing here that I wanted to give you an opportunity to, um, if, if you had any final messages for, for your former nursing colleagues who are still out there, many of them are, are I'm sure, coping fine with uh, with their jobs and everything. But maybe for the ones who aren't or the ones who are considering doing something different, do you have any kind of thoughts or messages for them? Yeah, I would th I've thought about this question a lot. And, you know, I'm coming to the question with a very, I have a very specific perspective. I, you know, have a the context of my story is not the context of everyone's story. And I, I answer the question, having been through a grieving process of my, of grieving my profession and my career. And also knowing, you know, I have hearing stories through the grapevine and through friends and family of how, what a disaster the healthcare system is still in and what, just mm -hmm. what a congested dysfunctional mess it's in still with people waiting long lengths of time and with nurses that are still stretched to the max and being put in very compromising positions within their careers. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that not only has that not gotten better, but it sounds as though it's gotten worse in many cases. So, so what I would say to my, to my fellow nurses would be that you have options for one, you know, that, that your career does not, and I've said this throughout the podcast, that your career does not have to encapsulate you. It does not have to be the singular definition of who you are. And then it's really helpful if it's not, uh, <laughs> you, you'll be better off as a whole if you realize that it is not. Mm-hmm. Also that you are unfortunately very much on your own. I think to operate under the illusion that there are safeguards in place for you from either your employer or from your union or from your college, I, I think that you are ultimately on your own. Mm. And it's like kind of a, a, a grim send off for me to say, <laughs> but like, uh, that is what I have learned. And I have learned that the, the people, uh, and I am, I'm so fortunate to know people in our community right now who are navigating this mess really, really well. And I think they are doing that by finding their own path and by advocating for themselves and speaking up for themselves and pushing back a bit against the machine and pushing back against um, things that their employer is trying to subject them to at times. The people who are able to find their own voice and their own true north in, in the healthcare system, I think are the ones that will probably survive it. Mm-hmm. And then also in terms of accountability, it's a, it's the same, it's sort of another branch of that tree that the accountability it's, it comes down to us. It comes down to you. And if you are, if you are showing signs to yourself of wear and tear and of cracks in your, in your veneer of, as a nurse where your mental health is suffering or your physical health is suffering, it is essential to pay attention to that. You have the choice to not, but for your survival, it is essential and no one else is going to tend to that. I think that has to be on you. And part of that is advocating for yourself and pushing back. Right. Well said. Yeah. And, uh, that's a hard thing to hear. There's going to be people out there who are in that situation and, you know, you, you want to say, well, maybe it's not that bad hang in there for a little longer and it's hard to make the call. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, what I think both of us have experienced is what happens when you don't make that call and you yeah. keep pushing. And I can, from my, my own experience, I can guarantee that it will be a lot worse <laughs> yeah. you, than if you have the wisdom to pull the plug early. Trust me. Uh, you don't want to go the, you don't want to go the full journey. No. Right. And like, and then similarly, like if you, if you reach out and if you, even the process of reaching out and advocating for yourself or realizing what you need, you have to be very careful with that too, as we have learned. Yeah. Yes. Then, Don't be naive and play your cards close to your chest. And uh, yeah, the part about the people you think you can trust uh, sometimes uh, are not really on your side. So yeah, it, it pays to 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 do a little bit of homework before you make any kind of decision that's that's going to affect your career. Mm-hmm. I, I think of the people who are uh, in the place that I or you were in, who are still going through that. I think of them with lots of empathy because I, I, unfortunately, in the time that you and I have been from the time we started this show to now, I have not seen positive changes. The only positive changes that I can kind of account for are nurses and healthcare workers who are kind of asking the question like, wait a second, what the hell are you talking about with this monitoring contract or with this return to work agreement and mm-hmm. pushing back against that. But from the, from the bodies themselves, I don't see progress yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awareness is the first step I think. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, I mean, anybody who wants to know more, go back and listen to our first few episodes. We'll, we'll line it up for you nicely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Corey, I think what we'll do is, uh, I'm just uh, going to take a second to go through our guest list here and uh, thank everybody who, who took the time to come on. So that's Amber Stuckey, Greg Rennie, Ed Perkins, Helen Jennings, probably uh, 
probably our hardest episode there, followed closely by Catherine Botchford. Those were both very difficult. Garth Mullins, uh, he came on twice. Thank you very much, Garth. Our mystery nurse, that was a highly rated episode. And, yes. and um, the mystery nurse is doing well. Everyone should know. Uh, Dr. Mandy Manick, thank you for your vulnerability. It's much appreciated. Jared Callahan, Pastor Ward Draper, that was a very impactful episode for me personally. Uh, a very interesting guy. Nurse Cassidy, she's also doing well. Be, be happy to know. Maya Salovitz, uh, incredible experience. That'll be uh, a highlight for me for uh, for a long, long time. Thank you so much for coming on. Dr. Nick Jensen, uh, Sheldon Wilson, a uh, great friend of us, uh, of both of ours. Chris Miser, same thing. Uh, both of uh, both those guys are doing well as, as well. Corey Ranger, thank you very much for coming on. Very knowledgeable guy. Uh, same with Kenan Ross. Uh, your dad, Corey, Ron Williams, very interesting guy. Uh, just celebrated his 80th birthday. Congratulations, right. Ron. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on and uh, sharing your interesting life stories with us. My dad, uh, Burton McLean, uh, he contributed a lot to the show and uh, has been very active in our community as well. Yeah. Fantastic guy. Love you, dad. And uh, finally, Dr. Carmel Hopkins. Um, yeah. Great friend of the show, great friend personally, uh, wonderful all-around person. Thank you very much for coming on and being vulnerable. Uh, as I stated before, our Patreon page will be closing down, so uh, you shouldn't have to worry about uh, stopping payment, but uh, I would encourage you to check just to make sure if you do see anything come out of there, shouldn't be anything left as of the airing of this show, we will be closing down the Patreon page i'd like to give a uh, shout out to sammy sundance audra kelly tristan amy elizabeth blake again burton peter michelle attila mandy and of course our celestial patron dr colleen matham much appreciated uh, with your support, we were able to uh, continue on and I think do some good work here. So yeah. thank you very much for that. I'm going to, just to, to end on a positive note, I'll, I'll post a link. There was a recent British Medical Journal, sorry, uh, just did a study on safe supply and its, and its impact on all-cause mortality, overdose deaths, uh, some positive evidence. And that study was done here in BC. You know, it's it's a good start. It's a good pilot, and I think uh, uh, if anybody's interested in in learning a little bit more about how that program, the Safe Supply and Harm Reduction Program, is having a uh, an impact on people's lives, take a look at that document. Uh, it's a good. Uh, it's not the you know be all and end all. It's just a piece of evidence to start, and uh, it's the first piece of evidence of its kind. So I'll link that in the show description, and if you want, you can take a look at that. Other than that, I think we've accomplished our primary objective here, co-host Corey, and I will say goodbye to you. Thank you so much for doing this uh, project with me. It's been awesome getting to know you and and doing this work together. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much, Nathan. Uh, Not too bad for two guys who had like three episodes or four episodes in mind when we started and it it went from there. So I'm proud of us and uh, proud of what you're doing now. So keep it up. You as well, buddy. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening and the uh, shows will remain up for a while yet. So uh, take a listen if you want.